she's such a star. She walked out of that club with her head held high. And that still image of her with that boss-ass look on her face and a lump above her left eye and no shoes on and a torn dress. And she walked out of there like, I know who I am. I am here for that. I stand for that. That is the hero we all need. And I also believe in nonviolence as a philosophy. And... Not only is she gonna pray for Boo, she gonna pray for other women to get the power she has, to get and to keep and to preserve and sustain the same power she has, because that's what we all deserve. Hello. I'm a student of media and I hold a master's degree in media theory and I bring that point of view basically to everything. That's my orientation in the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to People Have Color. I am your host, Corinne Mills. I'm your fearless leader (laughs) through the maze of progress, Corinne Mills. I say welcome back because today is the relaunch, locked and reloaded of People Have Color. It's a podcast I started this past summer of 2018 and I'm back now with a new episode and a new attitude (laughs) as the Pointer Sisters taught us. You have to come back new. So I'm coming back new. This episode is just me y'all and I'm here to stay. I'm back like I never left though I did. (laughs) I'm back in commitment to myself. So first things first, uh, Cardi B. And I'm going to get to that in a few moments. I have a few things that prepared that I'd like to just share with everyone about what this show is, who I am, what I'm trying to accomplish, and what to expect, really. So naturally, I want to chat firstly, first and foremost, about Cardi B and the Friday night showdown at the Harper's Bazaar Fashion Week event where she came for the head of one Nicki Minaj and the ensuing dialogue on the Twitter net. At this point, which is not the point at which you're listening, but at this point, it's two days later, there's only speculation. One Instagram statement from Cardi basically pouring her heart out and her anger out that she's just not going to take shit off Nicki Minaj anymore. She has stepped to her in the past and in essence sees Nicki as continuing to play her. So she came for her physically, which is her way. And really, I bring this up just to say I'm so hurt myself. I feel wounded myself, honestly, by following this coverage Bel Kalis is a powerful woman, a rising star, a 25-year-old woman who is a star and who got caught up in her past, maybe, and basically came for this woman like fisticuffs. 
which I guess, you know, the internet obviously is talking about how that's who she is. And I actually believe that. So basically, from my point of view, I see it this way. We all heard what happened. It was a physical altercation. Cardi came for Nikki. She did not touch her. She came for her relentlessly, repeatedly with her shoe. And what she got for her efforts was a torn dress and a lump on her own face. And that is painful for me. Like, I'm Team Cardi. I'm still Team Cardi because I've been Team Cardi for quite a long time since she was just an Instagram star. I say just, but since she was an Instagram star only before her mixtapes. And I was probably late to the Instagram party relatively, but that's how long I've been a fan since before the mixtapes. The mixtapes turned me into a true fan, like into a, a follower. So that's how far back I go with her. And... She has a huge fan base and she's on the rise. So I'm not disappointed in her. I'm sad for her that whatever is going to come from this is going to come in terms of her taking more lumps in the public eye, her dividing her fans, whatever might come in terms of people continuing or choosing to dismiss her in new ways because of this. But what really makes me sad is like feeling, just feeling for her. I feel for her as a mother. I feel for her as a new mother. I feel for her as a 25-year-old. I feel for her as a New York star. uh, So deep from the gutter that I came from, which is New York City poverty of color. And she's so hood. She's so street. And also because I'm interested in in the come up of powerful women. I'm supremely interested in that. I'm the audience for that. So I'm a fan of hers for that. And I see her as a 24-year-old woman out here trying to win. And I want her to win. She's such a star. She walked out of that club with her head held high. And that still image of her with that boss-ass look on her face and a lump above her left eye and no shoes on and a torn dress. And she walked out of there like, I know who I am. I am here for that. I stand for that. That is the hero we all need. And I also believe in nonviolence as a philosophy. And that when she grows, she will learn to handle things otherwise. But I also don't judge her for making that choice. And I continue to love her and see her through that choice. And that's another reason that I hurt for her is because she's 25 and what I know about the world and believe about the world tells me that she's going to pay a heavy price for, for this decision in the public eye, though she knows who she is. And I don't believe Nikki deserves to quote unquote win this fight because her tactics to me are more egregious if what Cardi and Remy have to say about her is true that she intentionally undermines them behind the scenes and tries to tip the scales while she goes on the radio and gripes about the way Travis Scott tipped the scales out loud and up front for her own record release and then it's gonna really actually be in the 
practice of doing so in secret behind the scenes in a more underhand way behind the scenes. I don't respect that. And I say all of that because Barty gang, hashtag Barty gang. And I also say that to say she's 25 years old. She's a new mother who put out a statement, by the way, to her fans about not going on tour with Bruno Mars because of having new priorities, newly straight, where that was concerned, which I see as a boss move for the culture. That's another way she has used her platform to lift women up. And so I'm here for that. And I say again, she's 25 years old. And I think part of the pain that I feel, and it's not, again, it's not, I'm not dying of this pain, but I am feeling it acutely because I know how brutal the world is to women. I say brutal unequivocally, brutal, murderous to women, literally and figuratively to our careers and our sense of self. And the part of me that hurts for her is the part of me that acknowledges that she's going to overcome and persevere and prevail because she does know who she is because she is a powerful woman and I hurt for any knocks to that because we all deserve that and we especially deserve heroes who, who are that and because I hurt for the what the what if of if she wasn't getting knocked down more than she might already be because of this unfortunate series of events that led her to make that early ass exit from the Harper's Bazaar Fashion Week event. I read a tweet that said she was crying in the limo. Some, you know, entirely unverified fact, but just my own mind's image of her. Let's just take a ride with me in the back of Cardi B's SUV caravan away from the Harper's Bazaar event. Take a ride with me. Let's say we're in that car together and you're with your girl and she's so shook up. She is enraged and hurting and crying and strong. And you just wish she didn't have to go through this. She wasn't going through this, that she hadn't made this choice for herself, which she's entitled to. She's entitled to make what some might call terrible mistakes and to persevere, and to continue to grow and change. And isn't that what we want for her? That's what I want. That's what I want for her. And so at the end of the day, I do have faith. A a new place that I'm in is having faith in powerful queens on the rise. And that acknowledging that they're powerful means that I have faith that they know what they're doing, know how to lead their own lives, and are going to continue to forge ahead. Another young, such young woman who I think about in this way is Ariana Grande. Quite frankly, I was ruminating on the passing of Mac Miller, who I didn't follow, whose music I don't know, but whose persona I am familiar with and was first introduced to through watching a music video that he did with his then girlfriend, Ariana Grande. And so anyway, Ariana Grande is another young queen who I am rooting for. She very clearly and obviously has a huge talent. But what has astounded me and remains true is quite similar to what I observe in Cardi, which is power, which is personal power, which is a belief and understanding and acceptance of herself as great. 
and a fearlessness about standing as such in any context, in any space. I see her take her space and move forward and recover and move forward and move forward and move forward and keep walking in the path of her own power. So that sounds deep, like a a deep thing to say about Ariana Grande, but her fans will recognize what I'm talking about. The fact that she's the tiniest person I've ever seen on a television screen, and I don't know what she looks like in real life. I don't know what anybody, anybody on TV looks like in real life, but I can tell that that queen is smaller than others, okay? And what my beliefs and programming tell me about women that tiny are a bunch of misogynistic things, right? Honestly, she's adorable. She plays up her adorability. She's slight. She probably weighs less than 100 pounds. She looks 16 perpetually. She's been around five years now. She just said she put out her first album five years ago. She was on some version of Disney programming prior to that. She's also in the 25-year-old age range. And I remember when she first came out thinking, this girl's not legal, right? Misogynist assumption one. This girl ain't legal. She's not, she's not of age to run her own life. That was my first thought upon first viewing of this young queen, probably five years ago. And since then, I have been astounded by the power of her voice, not just her singing voice, but her speaking voice. She speaks her own truth to power, and she continues to walk the path of power. And I say that again because in considering her, her name being brought up in reaction to Mac Miller's passing, everyone who is assigning blame to her, some version of blame to her, large or small, for the tragic passing of this young man, this young talent, who all we know for a fact is that they were very incredibly close. That's literally all we know for sure, is that they were incredibly close and are no longer together as of earlier this year. Those are That's basically the facts, right? And the rest is speculation, much of it hateful. And actually much of it supportive. I honestly, I saw maybe one or two tweets that blamed her for his death. And otherwise I saw overwhelming support for her and the injustice of anyone attempting to blame her. She spoke very clearly on the issue when they broke up and she she made a message of support to him in that breakup to her fans. You know, she lives on the internet. So she tweeted some photo and said something about how, how much she loves and respects him and is excited and happy that, that they are in each other's life and will always be. People had a range of responses to that, one of the hateful ones of which she countered. And here forthwith are the receipts for my assessment of her as a powerful queen on the rise. Quote, how absurd that you minimize female self-respect and self-worth by saying someone should stay in a toxic relationship because he wrote an album about them, which by the way, isn't the case, just Cinderella is about me referencing his album, The Divine Feminine. I am not a babysitter or a mother, and no woman should feel that they need to be. 
I have cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years and always will, of course. But shaming slash blaming women for a man's inability to keep his shit together is a very major problem. Let's please stop doing that. Of course, I didn't share about how hard or scary it was while it was happening, but it was. I will continue to pray from the bottom of my heart that he figures it all out and that any other woman in this position does as well. Unquote. And can the church now say amen? Not only is she going to pray for Boo, she going to pray for other women to get the power she has to get and to keep and to preserve and sustain the same power she has because that's what we all deserve. Hello, I read this yesterday, okay? I read this yesterday as I was on my own little Twitter diversion. And when I read it, I said to myself, okay, period, okay. I got what I came for. She has spoken on it. She don't need to say another word. She didn't need to say that. But she did. And thank you. Thank you. It was just another reminder that she's a powerful queen. Like I read that and I was like, yes, yes, boss. That's right, boss. She's not my boss. She's her boss. Okay. And that's what I have to say about that. So, you know, tiny and strong as hell. Another, Just a, a, a tiny powerhouse, right? I'm going to stop harping on how she's tiny. I harped on how Cardi was young and I'm harping on how Ariana is tiny. And the next young queen in the line of fire of youth and queendom, youth and majesty, is one Naomi Osaka, who I first will congratulate on winning the U.S. Open. She won it in historic fashion, and uh, we all know what happened, right? The ref was bugging, and he tossed the game in her direction, where she scooped it up because she was already on her way. It was some bullshit it robbed her of her moment of her full moment to which she was entitled and Serena of her dignity to which she was entitled neither one of them should have been interfered with in this way it was an interference that we all observed on a grand stage that need not have occurred but that also evidenced for us the interference that women have to withstand that women are made to withstand, that is imposed upon women uh, on stages large and small, that many, many women recognized in pain, horror, disgust, anger, despair, resignation, rage, and that many men experienced similarly, many, many people experienced in these ways so what we gonna do about it right uh I say all that to say Naomi is a young queen honestly I watched this moment with my son my four and a half year old son who kept asking me what was going on why I was upset why people were booing and it was a it was an opportunity frankly to address justice and injustice and equality and fairness and power and greatness. So we did those things in simple ways. And I say that to remember the the reaction I had, honestly, when I was watching it go down in real time on my TV. I had come home early from an afternoon out with my son. 
so that we could watch that together because I was rooting for the GOAT to win her 24th. I was, I had a, a lot of aches in that basket emotionally and intellectually. And I wanted him to see it and I wanted to see it name primarily. And I mentioned that to say like, I don't know Serena Williams, nor have I ever met her, but I rushed home to see her play that game. That's just one tiny example of the eyes that were on her with whatever intentions and agenda those eyes had. It was quite a large stage. And this is part of what I explained to Asa, to my son, was she's crying because she knows the moment she's in. She knows it well. And it's also new. She's crying because of the pressure that all of these eyes have placed on her, that she's chosen to have placed on her in a moment of intense stress where someone is being unfair to her. You know, when you're talking to a four and a half year old about what's going on on the world stage, you have to speak simply. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You could be talking about dinner or you could be talking about politics. You have to speak simply when you're speaking to a four and a half year old. And it's a quite a communication challenge to think about how do I simply express the the core point here which is this is about fairness where my blaze and the monster machines fans at y'all out there well blaze is one of my son's favorite shows blaze the monster machine is one of my son's favorite characters and I said to him you know Serena is blaze she's the greatest and and Asa said, and she always does the right thing. Blaze always does the right thing. And I said, yeah, Blaze always tries to help people. Something about like, you know, this man is accusing her of cheating and she would never cheat. It really matters to her not to cheat like Blaze. And he really got that because that's a very key core theme in that show is that Blaze is an honorable winner. He always wins. It's this oversimplification of that show, but he also never cheats. He always wins and he never cheats. He's defined in opposition to a character who always cheats and always loses. So anyway, I explained to my son that Serena is Blaze and an unfair thing is happening to her and she's trying to stand up for herself. And in this moment, which is new to her and to everyone, she's feeling tremendous pressure to keep it together. And I thought of the isolation of tennis and I thought of uh, what I heard from her in the Being Serena docuseries, which is that tennis is hard. It's maybe the hardest sport as far as she's concerned. You know, what does she know about other sports? I don't know. But I remember taking from that, that it's it's a sport that exists in isolation. You know, you don't have a team when you play tennis. You don't, you're not on a team. It's you and your coach and your fans. And Serena Williams comes from a strong, really close family that has each other's back very clearly, has each other's backs. And I'm sure that's part of why she is the strongest, most powerful woman to ever play the game. The strongest, most powerful female athlete of our time that we know. A legend, the GOAT, for that and many other reasons. And I was trying to explain to him, you know, she's the greatest. She's the greatest athlete in the world. And... She just wants a chance, too. She still needs a chance. And so anyway, wiser intellectuals than me can explain 
the context and more detail of what's going on there historically with this black woman on the world stage uh, who performs at the highest level in her field. But I was looking at that in contrast to Naomi Osaka, who is a star on the rise, who is only 20 years old, who has the kind of poise that also augurs greatness, particularly in that field of extreme discipline and, and as it turns out, obedience being a, like a key piece of the puzzle where tennis is concerned, particularly where tennis is concerned with women and with black women. I mean, obedience is just a key piece of that sport. You wear your tennis whites, you listen and you obey. You keep your composure. But anyway, we all saw what happened this weekend and it was painful. And we also saw Serena overcome. Serena showed leadership and power and standing her accumulated, experienced, seasoned over time, strength, power, and leadership. Standing in her greatness, standing in her accumulated power, learned power of who she is and what her, and, and the power of her own voice and the value of her own voice. That's why she had so much pressure on her is because she knows who she is. She arguably has always known. And now she is prepared to carry others along. Now she is in full awareness of her legacy, of her greatness, and is prepared to stand in that and to reach her hand out to pull up the people coming next, the people further, further down the path behind her. And that's what people saw her do with Naomi Osaka last night, be ever graceful as she has modeled throughout her career a level of poise, professionalism, self-awareness, self-composure that is exemplary. And that exemplary behavior was her in the moment, the award ceremony, putting her arm around this young champion, this other young queen molded in her image, Naomi Osaka, on the rise and in her glory, crying the most accomplished stage of her career to date, the first majors win of her very young career. Serena puts her arm around this girl. In this moment of injustice and pain for her, she puts her arm around this girl that she sees in tears and asks the crowd to give her a break, to quiet down and to stay positive with her because we're gonna overcome. What? We sh because we shall overcome, did you say? Yes, queen. We shall. Please lead the way. Basically, this thing that we saw Serena do is to stand in her power in this way and to show leadership in this way that Naomi Osaka is, was very clearly too young, too unex inexperienced, too new to offer in this sport that really values obedience. And actually, we're not sure how much they value it. We just know that they do not value uh, a lack of obedience, what, what, is, what is deemed disobedience. So knowing all that, nobody, I haven't heard a single peep out of anybody who thought that Naomi's behavior was anything but remarkable. Her performance was astounding. Her behavior was astounding. She's really playing her position. Like, I don't see any obstacles in sight. I see only green lights and all rights ahead for one Naomi Osaka, right? I honestly, before that match started, was nervous that she might actually really win. My, the eggs I had in the basket for Serena were really like, 
I need her to win because of the position she holds, the space she's standing in. I need her to sew up this record of Grand Slam titles. I need her to stand in the power of a mother who can make a comeback, to work and excel at the highest level. And I love her. I want to see her win. And because Naomi's performance and demeanor had just been so exquisite all throughout, all the press clips, she's being cute and adorable and clever and interesting on top of being the next in line. I thought to myself, well, maybe she's going to win. And I, I want her to win, but I don't want her to win tomorrow. That's what I thought on Friday when the game was on Saturday. I want her to win, but not tomorrow. I, re- I want and I need Serena to win. And I'm not alone in that sentiment. I know. So I thought, you know, maybe she won't because she doesn't have the experience Serena has. First of all, she's not the GOAT. That remains to be seen. Second, Serena is a mother and a woman of a certain age and a woman of a certain power and experience in that power. So like my observation there is that what Serena has acquired takes time. It takes experience. It takes power, but it all but it takes power plus time. So it's just something Naomi can't possibly have yet. And I guess I observed that in her not speaking for herself in that moment. And maybe that's also her way, you know, her emotion. Her emotion on that stage was so powerful. Her quiet, pained tears were so powerful on that stage. Her composure was remarkable. What a queen. What a young queen. And I also thought she doesn't have the experience to be up here saying I've been robbed too, to stand shoulder to shoulder with Serena and say, we share this stage and we have both been wronged. That's okay. I don't judge her for that. I just, I'm just observing the absence of that because it is true that they share that stage and we're both wronged. And I guess I believe that them standing together in that is more powerful than Serena standing alone in that. And I guess the audience will assess how much and how well they did stand together in that. They did and do stand together in that. I mean, I can't with that Naomi Osaka. Did you see her press conference? I don't... Serena's press conference, I will acknowledge, has been circulating and deserves all that circulation because Serena just again showed in tremendous leadership and that's when she basically said out loud I'm looking for this getting better after me I'm thinking about my legacy and how my experience can matter to make things better for the women who come after me thank you goat and then much later I saw Naomi Osaka's press conference and she cried talking about Serena I would tear up thinking about this and how she, as a powerful, powerful queen, stands up there and says, I'm playing tennis when I walk onto that court. I'm not Serena's fan. I'm a tennis player that came to win. I came to get mine and I'm and I'm coming for it and I'm getting it. That's who I am when I step on that stage. Well, okay, queen, isn't that who you're supposed to be? You're damn right. That's who you're supposed to be. Did anybody think she was supposed to be something else? Because she's not. That's who she is. She came to win obviously, and she should not 
feel a way about saying so. Because she is so. So first she leads with that, right? She leads with, I'm a powerful queen and I know it. I came on the stage to show my power and to get what's mine. And then uh, this sweet angel can't even get the words out, has to stop and collect herself before she can say, but when she hugged me, break for tears. Pull yourself together, queen. Go on. I'm a little kid again. Mic drop. So these are the queens we live amongst today. A queen to be and a queen in her reign. A queen to be and a queen in her reign with Cardi and Nikki, right? And to me, the main contrast there is that Nikki is not extending her hand to pull up the queen behind her. She's extending her foot on to, to that queen's head to push her back down. And what I observe about that, honestly, is that that's, that's what was done to her. She hasn't extended herself and the extensions haven't been offered to her. Basically, like, what are her female collaborations? Will somebody please school me? Like, where is she on wax with other queens? The queens who came before her. I saw her bow down to Lauren Hill, but I didn't read Lauren Hill's statement in response. Not to excuse Nicki Minaj's behavior, but also not to condemn her and not to assume that she needs to be excused. Fuck you. She's a queen. She does not need your excuses. She is a queen. So I will say that for all to hear. Nicki Minaj is a queen. She is the queen of rap. The reigning queen of rap. Undisputed. And Cardi is a queen on the rise. And... The eruption of that relationship into fist fighting is sad. And also an example of the truth that we live. Like Serena and Naomi showed us the truth of the lens that we're under. The truth of what's outside of us. The, the negative truth of what's outside of us, rather. And Cardi and Nikki's altercation to, has shown in a way the ugly truth of what's inside, which is a trauma that continues to play out as hate and self-destruction. Does that make sense to anybody else? That what they are playing out is a trauma of hate and self-destruction, of internalized rage and self-hate that erupts in violence, in actual violence. Not just them. They're not the whole sum of some total of the world's history, but as one story of women in pain, women at the top who can't share the space. Shouldn't we share it? Shouldn't we stand shoulder to shoulder? And shouldn't Nikki be standing, obviously is standing on the shoulder of the greatness that came before her, but not in practical reality, not in Instagram posts, not in concert appearances. Where are her sisters? Where is her sisterhood? She's up there with Beyonce. I guess that's her. She, she collaborates with Beyonce and Ariana Grande, honestly, and has women who are secu A, secure in their own power and B, non-threatening to her because they don't rap. So uh, did I just say Beyonce? And then there's Beyonce. I will close with this queen, the once and future queen, Beyonce Knowles Carter Knowles, Beyonce 
who is nothing if she is not self-defined. Not defined in contrast to. Self-defined. And I sit here and I say this, and I revere Beyonce after having traveled quite a distance, which I reference in episode two of this podcast. Like Beyonce's styling, the road I have traveled is long and it continues. Shout out to Mama Tina, the original Beyonce designer. No shade. Well, all shade, but all love as well. And what I'll say is that, what I'll acknowledge rather, is that she doesn't share the conversation she's having. That's true. Her street goes one way. And I don't judge that. I sit here in reservation of judgment of that and observation of that. I remain a paying customer to that show. And I ask of it, what are we learning? What are the lessons of the Beyonce show? This one-way street of information that she drives. I mean, should we not be in control of our own images, our own PR, our own marketing in these spaces that we navigate that are historically unsafe? and unsafely mediated for women of color? Shouldn't she be in control of her own shit under those circumstances? Is it not the actual most strategically sound direction for her to control the whole thing, every aspect of her image, for her to navigate her own ship in this way so that she cannot be defined outside of her own control? It's true, she's not outwardly vulnerable. That's true. That's not her brand. Her brand is not vulnerability. I have said that before. And vulnerability is magical. Vulnerability is what we love about artists. And that magic is inherently treacherous. Like that's why it's magical is because it's dangerous. Because it's risky. Right? So you have to acknowledge that there's risk involved in that. And she averts that risk. She's actually a fairly safe bet for insurance companies in this way. (laughs) Her brand is probably highly insurable. And yet she clearly has vulnerabilities like the state of her marriage, the fact that she's a mom, the fact that she may or may not be chasing an album of the year Grammy. And she will always mediate the expression of those vulnerabilities for us if she shares them at all, which is new ground for her to be sharing the vulnerabilities in her marriage after clearly addressing and resolving them only after clearly and addressing and resolving them she lets us in on the whole story from her vantage (laughs) she never goes on tv and says you know and this is what jay says about the whole thing no that doesn't happen this is what my mother had to say you know what my best friend told me no you're not getting that from from this queen To that analysis, I will also ask, are images not louder than words? They're at least more clean. That, to me, is clear. Images are more clean than words. They're high def these days, and they also avert vulnerability, particularly if you're not going to meet the fans, if you work in a mediated space like an artist does. Why not just share your images, your product? and call it a day and let people make the meaning they do of that. I'm a student of media and I hold a master's degree in media theory and I bring that point of view basically to everything. That's my orientation in the world is through the continued scrutiny of
And with that, we wrap up part one of two of the relaunch episode of People Have Color. Stay tuned next week for part two, which will go into more detail about me and my story and how I got here, where I was just leading with a little intro about my media background. If you made it this far, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.